0: Bible's open as we uh, continue to look through uh, God's Word. But uh, before we go any further, let me pray. Lord, as we continue to look at your Word, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that we might live how you would want us to live. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, last year we bought a little tinny. Uh, We uh, we bought this tinny, it was exciting, we, uh, it meant we could go out on the water, we could do a bit of, of fishing maybe, and uh, we could have some family trips over to uh, South Stradbroke Island. Uh, it was pretty fun, we could enjoy a little bit more of the Gold Coast. Uh, it was great, but uh, when we first got it, we got into trouble a few times out on the little tinny, uh, especially around Stradbroke Island. We'd want to go and park up at a beach, uh, and we'd be putting along. And all of a sudden we'd hit a sandbank. We'd uh, kind of uh, come into some shallow water and we'd hit the bottom. Uh, it was nothing crazy, nothing unsafe or anything like that. We are always going pretty slow. But uh, it was a bit annoying, a bit inconvenient, uh, not seeing these these hidden sandbanks and all of a sudden hitting them. And so we saved up our, our pennies and we bought a little depth sounder, this little piece of technology that tells us how deep the water underneath us is. Uh, and it's... Uh, it's been really great. basically tells you uh, when a sandbank is coming our way, we know now. Uh, when now, we almost never run aground, uh, but we can always see what's underneath us because of this uh, fantastic piece of uh, technology that shows us what's going on uh, underneath our boat. Uh, for the disciples, when it came to understanding what Jesus was talking about and teaching, uh, it seemed like they were doing okay... Uh, but they were quite often hitting sandbanks when it came to understanding what Jesus was trying to say. And so uh, Jesus actually has to reveal and show them um, what is going on. If we read back in uh, Mark 11, uh, which we kind of looked at last week, Jesus alludes to the fact that new things are coming when he curses that fig tree. Remember that kind of weird scenario where Jesus curses the, uh, the fig tree? Uh the the age in which God's way of doing things through the temple was going to become a thing of the past. Uh, And in this passage, Jesus reveals and he kind of fleshes out what the age ahead of them, the new age, will look like. Uh, And so he starts off by giving the disciples expectations for the new age ahead of them. Uh, New Expectations. And so we read in uh, in uh, last week's passage, if you were reading in growth groups or hearing the sermon last week, uh, that Jesus actually condemned the actions of the Jewish leaders at the time. They had misled the people. They had abused the temple. They had neglected their role, uh, caring properly for God's people. And in chapter 11, just as I said before, Jesus actually hinted at the fact a new age was coming. Uh, the old system of priests in the temple was coming ...to an end, and Jesus makes that clearer in chapter 13. And when we land in chapter 13, uh, Jesus and his disciples are leaving the temple. They've been in the temple. And in verse 1 we see one of his disciples says to him, "...look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings." This disciple is admiring the temple. The temple was God's dwelling place. It was supposed to be an oasis for Jews... And it was also really beautifully made. So this disciple is marvelling at the architecture of the temple. And Jesus says this in verse 2 in response. Do you see all these buildings? Not one st- stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. This beautiful temple is going to be destroyed, Jesus says. And so Jesus goes out over to the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, and Peter, James, John and Andrew, they kind of pull Jesus aside and they ask, tell us, uh, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? And Jesus uh, responds to their request for a sign by saying this in verse 5. He says, uh, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. Many. Jesus responds to them like this because their desire for signs show a lack in belief in Jesus and his words. And this request for a sign is exactly what the Pharisees had requested of Jesus. Uh, And the disciples were kind of tempted to play that same game that the uh, Pharisees were playing. And so Jesus doesn't give the disciples uh, indications of signs. Rather, as Jesus goes on, he's giving them expectations for the new age ahead. Have a look in verse 7. Jesus says this, When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. So there's going to be big scale things that happen in this new age. There's going to be wars, there's going to be natural disasters, famines... But for followers of Christ, there's going to be more that happens to them as well. Have a look in verse 9. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever uh, Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. Is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. It's not hard to see here that people who follow Jesus are gonna be uh gonna face uh hard times, they're gonna face suffering and persecution. This new age that they're coming into is going to be marked by those things, suffering and persecution. These hard times are going to be stretching for believers. But Jesus warns his followers, stand firm until the end. What the new age uh, is like isn't hard for us to understand because we're actually living in the new age. Uh, If we we see and we hear about our our brothers and uh, sisters in Uh, China, Iran and Afghanistan, just to name a few places, who are arrested and brought before local authorities. They are beaten, perhaps even killed for their faith. Uh, We're hearing of people being dragged into court on account of our beliefs now. In some cases, we know that people closest to us, maybe family members or close friends or colleagues, hate us for what we believe. But Jesus encourages his followers, stand firm, stand firm until the end. Uh, in the midst of this war between uh, Russia and Ukraine, uh, the world has kind of developed a bit of a likening to Vladimir Zelensky. Uh, if you've read the news, you probably have seen this as well. Uh, what many have really liked about him is he hasn't shied away from kind of being an on-the-ground kind of guy. He's always wearing his uh, green, kind of army-like uniform. And because his hesitancy to flee uh, the country or the hard position that he's in, uh, and because of his willingness to kind of, or seemingly be amongst the people, uh, many refer to him as a servant of the people. That's what they are calling him in Ukraine. Uh, it's because he's he's like them. He's like the people, isn't he? We, we look at him on the news and he just looks like he's one of... The people in Ukraine. Uh, Jesus doesn't give the expectations for the new age that's coming in and then just leave it for us to deal with, but he actually faces uh, the the hard things that the new age will uh, that, that will happen in the new age as well. Jesus went through so much of what he's talking about here uh, as he was led to the cross, as he was led to the cross, as we'll see in coming weeks, he was arrested. He appeared before local councils and religious leaders on the basis of false testimony. He was flogged. He witnessed to powerful leaders. He was mocked. He was betrayed by those closest to him. People hated him and he was eventually killed. But he went through all of this so that God's people would no longer be led by failed, sinful human leaders, but now by God Himself through. Person of Christ. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, through his suffering, uh, Jesus advanced to the kingdom of God by purifying people through his death and giving life in his resurrection. Unlike Zelensky, Jesus' work as the suffering servant goes beyond simply good leadership and direction for one single nation. Jesus has done all the work that is needed for us to be saved from our sin and brought back into a relationship with God. Jesus' servant work means that people are totally free in Christ no matter the suffering we may encounter. In fact, even in the worst of suffering, Jesus is there with us, helping us. God will do his work in the midst of suffering and persecution. And no earthly leader can accomplish or do what Jesus has done and continues to do. Even after Jesus' time on earth, God's plan to advance his kingdom and continue to save people was going to be through the way of suffering. Verse 10 says, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Uh, These hard times of suffering and persecution is going to be the context in which the gospel is continued uh, to be preached to all the nations. For Paul, his days of ministry were in some of the most severe contexts. And God did amazing things through him uh, in those contexts. If we look in the book of Acts, when Stephen was stoned to death uh, for his faith, believers were actually persecuted and then scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And then later in the book of Acts, they're scattered again and they go out beyond Judea and Samaria into the nations. And as these believers are scattered, it says in Acts, they preach the good news. They preach the good news to the nations. God's word is clear. The gospel actually advances in places of suffering and persecution. There's a reason why the gospel has exploded in China and Iran. These places and these churches have experienced uh, severe persecution. And that's how God is doing his work. If God's word is so clear that suffering and persecution is how God is going to do his work, why can we be so scared of it? Why can we be so scared of it? It would be foolish to be scared of persecution and suffering for our faith because Christ actually assures us he is with us. He is with us by his spirit. And we know that in all things God works for the good of his people. And so we see that the new age is going to be characterized and is characterized by suffering and persecution but as we look further we also see that uh, we also see the center of this new age we see the center of the new age Uh, in verses 14 to 23 jesus gives the specifics on the temple situation that he'd alluded to in verse 2 have a look in verse 14 when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. To best know what the abomination that causes desolation is, uh, we simply turn to where we see it elsewhere in the Bible. Hence the addition of let the reader understand. It's a bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, have a look uh, somewhere else. Uh, The abomination that causes desolation actually comes up three times in the book of Daniel. Uh, Take chapter 11 verse 31 for example. It's talking about a contemptible ruler that would come into Israel and cause chaos. It says, His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. Back in Daniel, this was kind of a scary vision uh, for the Israelites who were hearing that the daily sacrifice would come to an end. The atoning sacrifice that was a means of bringing reconciliation between God and his people is coming to an end. In fact, what was worse was that this abomination that causes desolation was something that was going to be set up in the temple. Perhaps an idol uh, would stand in the place where God's people were supposed to come and meet with God and worship and pray to him. Jesus uses this language uh, from Daniel to say that an abomination, an unclean and detestable thing, would appear in the temple, and soon desolation would happen, meaning destruction would follow. The temple would be defiled, and the temple would be destroyed. And Jesus says this in verse 15: Let no one go on the house uh, so, Sorry, let no one on the house go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter, because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning, when God created the world until now, and never to be equalled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. And then he warns them again to watch out for false messiahs and false prophets. <coughs> For while, the talk about running to the mountains, uh, not going back to grab whatever you have. uh, Well, this is the beginning of a new age in which allegiance to the temple doesn't mean anything anymore. In fact, to care so much about the temple would be to reject Jesus and consider the old age more important than the new age that centred around Jesus. Uh, Allegiance to the temple was once very important. But now, Jesus is saying, what matters now is allegiance to me. The new age is centred around me, Jesus says. You can hear in Jesus' tone, though, he doesn't take the future destruction of the temple lightly. (laughs) He knows it will be hard for the Jews because until now it was such a significant part uh, of their lives. It was a significant part of being connected with God and hence why he says it will be distressing. Uh, Jerusalem is their home, and they're going to have to actually flee from their homes. Hence why Jesus kind of sympathizes with pregnant women and nursing mothers. Uh, No one wants to leave their home and be a refugee in those circumstances. No one wants to have to flee their home in winter. Uh, Any time of the year would be hard, but winter, it's just cold. Being pregnant or uh, nursing a baby, it's difficult. And some years later, after Jesus' words here, and after his death and resurrection and ascension to heaven, uh, the temple in Jerusalem is destroyed. Uh, Jerusalem is sieged, and and many actually flee. While this may only seem relevant to the people of the time and instruction for them, what we actually see in Jesus' prophecy about the temple's destruction uh, is that Jesus is the centerpiece of the new age in which we live in. Whilst the temple was once where God's presence was, we now find the presence of God in Christ and he has given us his spirit. God's presence is with us here and now. There's no need for a temple in Jerusalem anymore. God's presence can actually be found in every nation to the very ends of the earth. All we need we find in Christ. But Jesus not only talks about the new age he's bringing in, he also talks about the end. Uh, In verses 22 and 23, Jesus warns the disciples to be careful of false messiahs and false prophets. And Jesus explains to them what the Messiah's return will look like. Have a look in verse 24. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Uh, I used to play in uh, a few bands a few years ago, and uh, one time we played a gig. And the, the next morning after we'd played this show and some people came along to watch us, uh, we went out for breakfast. And when I went to order my coffee and uh my food, I went up to the counter and the, the barista behind the coffee machine looked out at me and he said, oh, you played a gig last night, didn't you? And I was like, oh, yeah, I did. And he said, oh, I love your band. And I, uh, you know, I tried to play it cool. I was like, oh, yeah, uh, thank you. And uh, kinda, he kind of went on and was just like, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I love Step Panther. And I was like, that's not my band. And he said, he said, oh, I'm so sorry, I, I got you mixed up. And uh, all of a sudden, my, the pride that I had in my heart, the cool kind of attitude I had was just crushed. Uh, and he was, uh, he was a bit embarrassed himself. When Jesus returns, it won't be hard to see. There will be no mix-up. It will be very clear who it is. Uh, if you're having to contemplate, hmm, is this the Messiah? Is this Jesus? It surely won't be. Everyone will see him appear in the clouds. The sun being dark and the moon not giving its light, stars falling and the powers of heaven shaking, isn't just an indication of Jesus' return, it's an indication of what Jesus is returning to do. When Jesus returns, he's coming to judge. Have a listen to the very similar words in Isaiah thirteen nine to 11 See, the day of the Lord is coming a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Listen to the similar language. I'll punish the world for its evil, the, sin, uh, the wicked for their sins. I'll put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. See, Jesus is coming to judge people And part of that judgment will include punishment for sinners. We all reject God. We all choose to live our own way. And for that, we deserve to face the wrath and punishment of God for our wrongdoing. But if we actually look forward a little bit in the Gospel of Mark, we see that when Jesus died on the cross, darkness actually covered the whole land. There's good news found in that scene where darkness covers the whole land uh, when Jesus died that same darkness points to the judgment and wrath of God though we deserve to face uh, the punishment for our sin Jesus who is undeserving of punishment for sin, he was sinless faced the wrath of God on our behalf behalf of anyone who comes to him in faith Jesus saved anyone who comes to him because of what he has done on the cross And so although Jesus will return to judge, he's also coming to gather his elect to collect his people, those who have placed their faith in Christ and been saved. When Jesus returns, he's coming to judge and he's coming to gather his people, his family. And so Jesus says, keep watch, keep watch. Have a look in verse 28. Jesus says this, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus in these verses is stressing the reality of the new age. And even how close it is for the disciples. As a fig trees, twigs get tender and the leaves come out, you know summer is near. So when you see the things mentioned in kind of verse 5 to 23, uh, know that the new age is here. Know that the Son of Man may also return at any time. For the disciples' generation, they saw and experienced all of what Jesus mentioned in these early verses. And so Jesus makes it as clear as it can be in verse 32 that signs aren't going to point to his return. Have a look, verse 32. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. No one knows the day or hour when Jesus will return. It would be a futile effort to try and guess through signs that Jesus is about to return. Not even Jesus knows. How could we possibly? Only God the Father. And so Jesus says this in verse 33. Be on your guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house, puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight and when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. While the events that are read about in the early parts of this chapter characterising the new age weren't signs, they were reminders. Reminders to be ready for the return of Jesus. Jesus says there won't be a specific time, uh, sorry, a specific sign prompting us to kind of wake up suddenly and start caring about God. But the new age, uh, the new age's nature, and what happens in the new age, all those things, should prompt us to be alert all the time. Should prompt us to be alert all the time. The doorkeeper was someone who kept watch for intruders uh, at all hours of the night. He was to be awake and doing his job with care and diligence. And if he was found sleeping, he was found to be neglecting his job, the job he was given by the master. Jesus saying, "When I return, be busy in my ways. Be ready at every hour. Don't be caught thinking or saying, "I'll think about God tomorrow." Don't be caught out believing you don't have to engage in service to God and His people. Don't be caught out living in active, unrepentant disobedience to God. Don't be caught out being lazy or apathetic in your faith. Jesus could appear right now, at any moment, and he's coming to judge. And he's coming to collect his elect, those who have given their wholehearted allegiance to him. Jesus' life, death and resurrection marked the beginning of a new age which centres around him. And believers are to diligently stand firm, living in the ways of Jesus. Through the trials of the New Age, we're to stand firm and watch and wait for Jesus' return. The chaos we see around us in the New Age should remind us of this. When we look at the war in Ukraine, when we hear rumours of wars in the Pacific, when we see the famine in Sri Lanka, we see the persecution of believers across the world. When people hate us for what we believe, it should remind us, Jesus will return. Are you ready? Are you ready? Don't be caught sleeping. Be on guard. Be alert. Keep watch and stand firm. Let's pray. Lord, through your words here and by the work of your Spirit in us, help us to be eagerly awaiting your return by living out your ways. Help us to be busy serving you, obeying you, and give us everything we need to stand firm. Give our brothers and sisters who are facing severe persecution strength to stand firm and help us to continue to pray for them so that your word would continue to reach the ends of the earth. Thank you, Lord, that we have a God who has come close and experienced the suffering promised in this age. We praise you for you are not on, for you not only care and help us, Lord, but you you have come close and you can empathize with us. In Jesus' name, Amen.